0: Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing the fairy, fatigue, faith, and flow. In healing, I find that highly sensitive people fight themselves and the world. You know how we say that someone who's overworking is burning the candle at both ends? Really visualize that for a moment, holding a long skinny candle, and it's lit at both ends. This means that the candle will melt and disappear much more quickly, and we won't have light. It'll burn out. And a lot of us as highly sensitive people, we feel burnt out. We burn at both ends when we're working hard to heal ourselves while we fight what we don't control. Highly sensitive people as a tribe, we can have control issues. I've said that we often sit on a continuum from particular to controlling. And we do well to explore and own this dynamic and find a healthy balance. Sometimes we get to control and sometimes it's best to let go or to negotiate towards a middle within ourselves or with other people. I definitely used to be more controlling and that makes sense. I come from a childhood where I controlled very little and I was surrounded by immature adults who fought the mature adults at every turn. It was and it felt unstable. I walked on unsure ground. So being controlling isn't necessarily about being bitchy or pushy or mean. It's not about, I just want to get my way to get it. Though it can certainly come off that way to ourselves and to others. This can be judged harshly, especially when we don't understand where it comes from or why we're that way. Or if we're confused about, is that a trauma response? Does this come from anxiety? From a desire to feel safe and secure? Or is this just my temperament, my personality? Is this just who I am? We do our healing work to intentionally recalibrate those impulses. Many of us are just trying to get a sense of control internally. Often we do this by trying to get control Externally, this is what trauma, chaos, emotional, or physical neglect does to us over time, especially when we experience those things when and while we're developing. Today, because of all the work that I've done and what I've learned, I trust that what used to be controlling, I've turned into assertion. I know how to be direct and clear and advocate for myself from a place of empowerment, not a place of anxiety or fear. And I trust that I've learned how to cultivate a wide open space to negotiate within myself and with others. Because truly and deeply, what I'm all about in the world is that all of us get our needs met to the best of our ability Utilizing the best of what's available so that we can all feel our needs met. Not one person getting their needs met at the expense of others. I've also let go of the mean critical stories around this dynamic. So I don't have to torture myself wondering if I'm pushy or too pushy. I accept that I'm an opinionated human being. I'm strong. And that it's my responsibility to speak as clearly as I can And that it's on other people. It's their responsibility to also show up and negotiate their needs with me. Relating is a two-way street. In short and in general, we try to control the things we often just don't have control over. And it's exhausting. It results in over-functioning, trying way too hard in a world where we truly control little Beyond our own mindset, we control the food that we put in our mouths. This is often the root of eating disorder development. We can control how we manage and take care of this body to a certain extent. We have a lot of exhaustion because trauma makes us hypervigilant. And that's very different than being vigilant and wise. It's exhausting to be hyper-anything especially hypervigilant. If you experienced scary racism as a child or were around racist messaging or a lot of fear-based messaging because your parents had those experiences, your nervous system learned to look at the world through that fear and through that messaging. And that can result in a hypervigilance where you're looking for racism everywhere, which is understandable, but winds up sucking a lot of our life force Because it sets someone up to not know how to just be or how to walk into a space neutrally and assess what's there and what isn't there. Because there may be no racism at all in a room we're about to walk into. And we may be able to have some reparative balancing experiences, but that's hard to do if we're looking at it through the lens of hypervigilance when it comes to racism my childhood sexual abuse survivors who are out there listening. Without a focused and full treatment, your nervous system learned to look at the world and live through a hypervigilant, fear-based lens, scared about people, which often results in a smaller world for a survivor or for a survivor's children. I know many such survivors who, instead of working on learning to become vigilant versus hypervigilant, who continue to believe that fear is a smarter lens than empowerment, can accidentally pass on generational fears. For sure, women are also sexual abusers too, and men get abused by women and men. For the sake of me speaking, I'm going to use the typical male female. So generally, when these kinds of fears get passed on generation to generation, it's mamas scaring their kids about fearing all men. And this makes me incredibly sad. Because I am in part who I am because of the influence of non-perpetrating, well-meaning, loving, though flawed men throughout my life. In our misguided attempts to keep ourselves and our kids safe, We sadly wind up giving our power to that abuser or abusive incident or incidents over a lifetime. We wind up allowing those experiences to color way too much of our present-day existence. I hope that as a human being on the planet with expertise in mental health and recovery, I hope that I'm doing a good job being a living, breathing example of someone who acknowledges the impacts of trauma on my life while also turning fear to empowerment and a sense of safety. Because yes, there is a lot of dysfunction and abuse out there in the world. But the world's dysfunction is kind of like an ocean. We can learn to float in our boats. And as long as we maintain our boats, that we patch and repair leaks so that the boat is strong, is a safe and sound vessel. We can float above it all and not sink. I could say similar things about my LGBTQ people who have maybe experienced hate or bullying or even assault. I can say the same about my people who have grown up in moderate to extreme poverty, that that creates a certain amount of hypervigilance around expenses and every single penny, every transaction we must have to move through this modern monetized world i could say similar things to people who grow up in financial abundance believe it or not because being raised in financial abundance but surrounded by dysfunction that the money can hide and enable that can give us an extra distorted lens and this happens for many of my people who come from money and we're told directly that they should be grateful and that they have been given so much opportunity, but they were treated like objects instead of people. And they can become desperate for real self-worth. If you've been in a scary car accident, my Houston people who were in that really scary cold storm where some of you really thought you were gonna freeze to death, I could talk to you too. Can you hear how dangerous it is for our mindset? our entire lives, to take what is traumatic, what we've already survived, what we've already been exposed to and moved through and gotten to the other side of, and to allow ourselves to use that trauma as our main lens. If we do that, we set ourselves up to try to get a sense of control As we look through the scariest of lenses, the most depressing of lenses, the worst of humanity lenses, and if your nervous system is in survival mode, that just keeps you in survival mode. I want to offer a visualization to help with the issue of fatigue that often comes from hypervigilance and from trying to control what we don't really control. This is one of the biggest complaints and struggles with highly sensitive people and survivors. This is why we work at the level of thought. Because some of you are subconsciously walking around believing that you should be able to control things that are not in your power to control. If you were raised by a narcissist, you were often told that you should be able to see things coming. You should be able to avoid problems before they're even here. And we can for sure practice some foresight and some smart planning, but we can't control the things the universe throws at us. Houston people, you didn't know big old crazy snowstorm would come when it did or how it did, and you didn't know the electric companies would fail. So this visualization technique is to help manage this fatigue that comes from such a lifetime of survival mode. To manage the process of letting go of hypervigilance, to let go, to stop whipping the body through this life, and then wondering why you're depressed and tired. This episode is for those of you who recognize that the long shifts that you work, as a New Orleans bartender in the French Quarter, I often worked 16-hour shifts, and yes, I know that's probably illegal, but that's how it happened, Mardi Gras in New Orleans, So for those of us who have worked these very long shifts or that over-function and do way too much for others, my college students, the all-nighters that I know you try to pull and do pull, the prescription drug or meth or cocaine-fueled college experiences that's been so normalized in the pursuit of betterment through higher education in this country. This episode is for my mamas who have given till they feel like they're going to drop. This technique is for those of you who recognize that unless you learn to be different with yourself, you will hit a physical or a mental wall. What the public tends to think of as a mental breakdown. This visualization technique is to help accept what you don't control and learn to invite and be in a calm state Inviting flow versus fight or flight and accepting what is in the world and what is peacefully, joyfully to learn, not in your control. So you don't have to carry the burden of trying to control it. In healing fatigue, we rest a lot. We learn to slow down internally and hopefully externally. Anyone I've ever known to be in such a situation seems to do the exact same thing. When we're healing fatigue, as soon as we get a little bit of energy back, we tend to jump on it, lean into it, use it all up and more, and then we regress into more fatigue and then we're frustrated and annoyed and angry, pissed off at our energy. How dare it come and go? This can feel like a helpless yo-yoing. This technique can help stop the yo-yoing.
1: Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night To achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep, search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.
0: What I'm about to share combats the fear-based story, will I ever be normal? Will I ever have the energy to meet the goals I have for myself, to build the life that I want? In terms of chronic pain... The story can get very dark, very depressing, and very quickly. The story says, I'm broken. I'm screwed. No one will ever love me or partner me. I don't even have the energy to date to put myself out there. I can't count on myself. I can't consistently participate like a normal person, etc., etc., etc. This technique is to stop that self-abusing, hopeless, cruel story in its tracks and invite the peace you and your system have always, always, always deserved and been worthy to receive. I promise you, you can teach your body how to feel peace and worth. If you continue this work and use stubbornness to lean into this work versus leaning into the dysfunctional comfort of trying to control you will ultimately have more energy for living, which is an ultimate form of self-respect and showing up for yourself. Probably the kind of showing up you've always wanted from others. And this is where you have control, to show up for yourself in a brand new way. So I invite you to visualize being on a shore next to a big body of water. And imagine that your energy is like a ferry, not like a Tinkerbell ferry. A ferry, a ferry that you can drive a car onto or walk onto that brings us from one bank over a body of water all the way to the other side. Imagine your energy is like a ferry. The ferry runs on a schedule, right? For this exercise, our ferry runs every half hour Scheduled to show up on the hour and on the half hour, every 30 minutes. Sure, we have expectations for this fairy. We expect this fairy to show up on time. Just like we expect ourselves to wake up after a night of rest with a certain amount of energy for the day. If our energy is like the fairy, the truth is we believe we should be in charge of the fairy schedule. But we never were. We never have been in charge of a ferry schedule. All we can do is get to the ferry on time and hope it shows up, hope it's there. And if not, all we can really do is wait till it gets there. This is where we have our power. How we respond to our expectation not getting met in this moment, that is our power. We can't control the ferry showing up. Yelling at the conductor won't help. Raising our internal temperature 50 degrees doesn't make the ferry show up. The story in our head can grab on to thoughts like, but it's supposed to be on time. I trusted that ferry schedule. I have places to go and things to accomplish. And this is how we feel stressed. As if burning up energy with frustration and annoyance makes the fairy speed up. A ridiculous notion, and yet, and yet. This is how we behave towards our own energy. We are like dictators over our own energy, demanding it do what we want, when we want, and meet all of our expectations on demand as we demand. Just like a real dictator. Because... A dictator never ever comes out and says, I believe I've been unreasonable with my expectations. So just like a real dictator, we feel that what we expect is somehow reasonable, simply because we want it to work the way we want it to work. Sure, you can lose your shit waiting for the ferry. You can burn up more of your energy while you're desperate for energy. Or you can rise above. You can invite learning how to flow. Picture an inviting bench overlooking the water while you wait for the ferry. Something about this bench seems to invite you. Like, hey, come over here. Come take a seat. In this moment, you're faced with the choice. You can commit to chilling out, sitting back, enjoying the view. The ferry being late can be an invitation to just be I can wait for the fairy no matter what I do I have to wait for the fairy now part of what happens in a moment like this when we've had a lot of childhood trauma is that we don't trust that good things are coming we've learned that we can't really count on things And that has activated our bodies, our nervous systems, and terrified us time and again and again and again. The difference between the fairy and our energy is that we can sit there and we trust, we know that the fairy, even when late, even if experiencing some kind of operational difficulty or brokenness, no matter what, a fairy is going to show up. We have a trust in that. We have a faith in that. What if we start to have a faith that our energy will come back to us just like the fairy inevitably shows up? What happens if we invite this kind of faith when we don't have energy, while we're healing and coming out of fatigue? What if we practice, because it does take practice, faith that energy will at some point Show up for me. We'll be there. Faith that we can put our energy not to controlling when the energy shows up. Not resisting when it's not there. But in learning to kick back more automatically. Enjoying the view. Reading a book. Letting the breeze wash over our faces while we take in deep breaths. We don't have to fight ourselves. We don't have to shame ourselves. We don't have to spin hopeless stories from our out of controlness that says, I don't control the fairy. In fact, we can flip it and enjoy the peace and quiet while we wait. We can stop feeding the fears and the stress, even if that's all we've ever known how to do. Because today is a new day. We can take a stand for ourselves. We can find a new way of being and commit to practicing it. When we're waiting for our energy, we can still do other things that still need doing and are good for us. We can meditate. We can just be. We can read, like I was saying earlier. We can draw. We can pet our pets. We can imagine good things instead of scary things. We can commit to letting go of fighting our own energy levels and depleting them in the name of more energy. We can let go of that little bit of insanity that we drag around. Sometimes, of course, we choose to push through low energy. But that no longer has to be a fight, a frustration, an exhaustion dance within ourselves. We don't have to hate pushing through, which burns up more energy. We can learn to allow it if we choose that's wisest for us in any given moment or any given day. Choosing will always take less energy than fighting. So it's not so much what you do. It's more so in healing how you do it. It's not that we skip over or eliminate our frustration feelings. But we learn that it's okay to take a beat. To be disappointed, to be frustrated that the fairy hasn't shown up when we really thought the fairy promised to show up at a certain time. We can learn to be easier with ourselves when our expectations aren't met, when things don't go as expected. The trick is to acknowledge that frustration, that annoyance, the ego's jarring when things don't go as expected. We can feel it briefly, and then we can give permission to release it. And then invite flow, invite what is truly worthwhile and good for us. As we do this, time passes with more joy. And before we know it, we look up and lo and behold, the fairy has shown up. And it's ready for us. It's at the dock. Almost like magic because we stopped focusing on it. Like trying to watch water boil sitting back and taking care of ourselves, trusting with faith that our energy will show up again just like the next fairy. I hope there's something in this episode that helps you hold yourself with love and respect and kindness, that you both continue to work on what you're working on and also at the same time know that you are exactly enough right as you are. And you don't have to believe that to practice delivering that message to yourself. This is self-love in action. It's easier to slide into those old patterns, those old hyper-vigilant, exhausting ways of being, just because they're familiar. As a big old human tribe, we tend to be more scared of the unknown than willing to jump into it. So to change from survival mode to thriving There must be permission to practice what feels awkward or even phony at first. You don't have to believe it. You'll practice it. And after a while, like magic, just like the fairy magically showing up, then and only then, after practicing, will you believe. You are worthy to feel calm and centered and whole, W-H-O-L-E, in this mind in this body as a spiritual being and as a human being i don't have it completed yet but i am working on a full fairy meditation for our exclusive patreon episode in may if you're interested in getting that when it's live come find us on patreon when you come support us you are voting for the show to stay commercial free that's what that? two bucks or five bucks or 10 bucks, if you want to participate in submitting a question to the monthly live stream. That's what it does. It allows us to not have annoying advertisers on the show. We know you don't want that. And if you are struggling financially, know that when I ask you to come onto the Patreon, it is so OK for you not to. People with disposable income who are comfortable, they can fund the Patreon. And they're doing that not just for the content for them to receive, but also to help us fund the show. And that's why we do it. That's also why people come onto Patreon. They are supporting me producing this show and paying for all it takes to make the show sound crisp and clear and good to those highly sensitive ears that I know are left there listening. We have had a huge last month in our Patreon Part of what you get is a shout out and we don't automatically say your last name. We give you an opportunity once you sign on to tell us how you would like us to represent your name. So I want to thank these producers of the show who help us get this healing work out to almost every country in the world. Some days I wake up and I really think it's a miracle. I want to thank Christy with a K and an I. I want to thank... Lindsay or Lindsley. i'm not sure if that's right or a little typo So, thank you. Thank you. Whoever you are. I want to thank sandy brandy renata kayla rachel christina misty. Thank you all so much for back in the show. I want to thank jessica shannon micah jamie emily melissa and elephant of my heart. If you want to come see what we have to help you heal and grow and feel supported and connected to others who are doing the same, come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. Light and love and so much healing. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah.